Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Do you know you can now win prizes such as a Starbucks gift card, Concord tickets, or car swag for being the first to answer an entertaining trivia question? Get the weekly trivia question by following me on Instagram or Facebook at The Collector Car Podcast and just DM me your answer. The first person with the correct answer wins. Also, as a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Today is Wednesday, April the 8th. 2020, and we are in the midst of the COVID-19 virus, hence the name of this podcast episode, Cars and COVID, instead of Cars and Coffee, unfortunately. If you take a look at my cover art for this episode, it's actually a 1918-ish, 1919 ambulance that would have been, a military one, that would have been in service during the Spanish flu epidemic that occurred then, which was, you know, much worse than what we're going through right now, thankfully. So as of this morning, there were almost 1.5 million confirmed cases worldwide with almost 87,000 deaths. Just insane. But it is not all bad news. Over 300,000 patients have recovered, and there is some hope in the recent trends that infection rates are finally slowing. And I, like most of you, I'm sure, have been holed up in your home for the last three weeks, and there's no end in sight at this point. Now, all this time at home does have some benefits. I've been working on a lot of different projects around the house. And one of my past guests, Rick Schmidt from National Parts Depot, he mentioned on his podcast interview a few weeks ago that his business was up quite a bit because, you know, folks are working on that old car in the garage. So they're needing some parts. So what do they do? They call up National Parts Depot, order some parts, and have them delivered. So uh, I actually found myself underneath the back end of my 996 just last week, replacing a coil and a spark plug. So had some time to do that. I've been able to get ahead on these podcasts a little bit. So next week, we have Dan Davis from the Brumos Collection. And then the week after that, we have Tom Cotter from Haggerty's Barn Find Hunter, one of my favorite YouTube series. And then the following week, we have Dale Oaks from Euro Classics talking about cool cars. Now, COVID-19 has really affected the Concor and auction schedules as well. So off the top of my head, I know of a few of them have been canceled. Keeneland was canceled. Cincinnati here in town, unfortunately, was canceled. Uh, I volunteer with them, so that's really sad to see. Although apparently some of their events outside of the Concor might still occur, so stay tuned, such as the Countryside Tour, Hangar Party, that kind of stuff. Uh, Greenwich and the Philadelphia Concours were also canceled. Now, some of them have been rescheduled, including Luft, uh, the Sandhills Motoring Festival, Keels and Wheels, La Jolla, and the Gasparilla Concourse Elegance. Now, the auction houses have really been struggling with many cancellations and rescheduling events, but one, RM Sotheby's, who I am a consultant for, successfully transitioned the West Palm Beach sale to an online auction in less than 10 days. And I will have to tell you, having a behind-the-scenes peek of how this was done, I can tell you that it was a Herculean event that was only successful because of the insane amount of work that was put in by the entire team. Now, how successful was this? Now, this is from their press brochure. The online-only auction totaled $13.7 million in sale with an overall sell-through rate of 69%. RM saw an unprecedented level of interest in its online platform with nearly 900 registered bidders. Now, get this. That's 23% more 
than the average number of registered bidders at the live RM Sotheby's South Florida auctions over the last four years. That's crazy. So they average 24%, 23% more bidders than they've ever had at that event in the previous four years. And they had bidders from 44 countries with 36% bidding with RM Sotheby's for the very first time. And there were more than 615,000 page views of the online-only Palm Beach section on their website. So what does the future look like for the collectible car market? I have my own thoughts, which I'll get to in a second, but I thought I would quote some other experts first. Now, this is from a blog article called Collector Cars in a Time of Coronavirus and Industry in Transition by Philip Richter on March 28, 2020. This is uh, from Turtle Garage. So if you like this uh, little snippet that I'm reading, I would definitely go to his website and subscribe. It's pretty cool. And it comes out on a fairly regular basis. So he interviewed a couple different collectors, three to be precise. He interviewed J.R. Amanita of GT Motor Cars, Dean Lumbach of Lumbach Consulting, and Jonathan Sierkowski of Sierkowski Classic Car Advisors. And let's see, J.R. had to say, what we see in the near term is brick and mortar auctions consolidating, some even going away for good. Their cash flows are derived from entry fees, bidder registrations, catalog fees, and without any of them, they do not have any cash flow. So true. The collector car market has been overcrowded with auctions, so this may be a healthy washout that is much needed. I do agree. As an independent dealer, I see this as a positive in the near term as four to 5,000 cars will be off the market by not having these auctions. I'm not sure I agree with that because some of these auctions would just get bigger. I do feel optimistic as I feel that this pandemic is showing people that life is not guaranteed and it can't be taken for granted. I feel that people will buy that car, quote unquote, they have always wanted to check it off the list. On the other side, we have talked to new clients that took a lot of money out of the market, 20 to 40% higher, and they are looking to park it in an alternative hard asset. However, they aren't doing anything until we get some clarity as to when the economy gets going again as they may need to invest the excess capital into their businesses. I also think with oil under $50 a barrel, especially under $30 a barrel, that gasoline-powered cars are here to stay for a while. I feel that this bought them at least another 10 years of, li- off, 10 years of life support. That's an interesting comment. Uh, we will see. Now, Dean had to say, I believe that collectors and enthusiasts as a whole will start to reexamine the economic sense of buying a collector car as a hard asset. Owning a collector car is unlike buying a piece of art or most collectible antiques and artifacts as they typically require expensive maintenance as well as a proper storage environment. That's a very good point. I am myself surprised to see strong numbers still being realized for cars that simply do not appeal to the younger enthusiast. What are these absolutely beautiful pieces of industrial art worth in 10 to 15 years? I have not met too many enthusiasts under the age of 40 who are even remotely familiar with these vehicles. And he quoted some of the results from the RM Sotheby's Amelia Island auction, uh, the 1938 Bugatti Type 57 Cabriolet that sold for 1.7 mil, 1932 Duesenberg Model J for 1.3, another Model J convertible for 1.1, and then another Bugatti for $800,000. The coronavirus pandemic will undoubtedly undoubtedly leave a scar on many about the uncertainties of life and how things beyond our personal control can have an impact on the value of our hard assets. The collector car market will survive this, but the due diligence prior to making large acquisitions will soon come to play. I believe the barn find phenomenon will be the first victim of the coronavirus pandemic as buyers will soon realize 
that investing in these types of cars is at the top of the list of what would be described as a bad investment, as restoration costs almost always exponentially surpass the value upon completion. You know, that'll be interesting to see because a lot of times the people that buy those cars for those crazy numbers are the people that don't have to worry about money. <laughs> so I don't know that it will have that effect, but uh, that will be interesting to see. He continues, original low mile mileage collector cars in pristine condition, regardless of make and model, will continue to sell strong regardless of uncertainty. What makes most of these cars so desirable to a collector is they can be lightly driven and enjoyed on fair weather days, and if properly maintained, they may see some potential upside in the future. I would never recommend a collector to invest in collector cars as a mean to finance the children's college tuition. However, the joy of ownership is something that cannot be quantified in dollars. Philip, speaking to the uh, Philip from the Turtle Garage, your favorite word, selective, is exactly what we will be seeing practiced by collectors in the near future. That I do agree with. Now the last one, Jonathan Sarakowski, he says, short term, beyond the immediate disruption to the automotive calendar, everyone, including car collectors, will be happy to get out and interact with one another whenever it is safe to do so. In hindsight, Retromobile and Amelia were just days away from being canceled. We cannot presume when it might be safe to congregate, and it is within the realm of possibility that cancellations continue into late summer. This is a major setback for auction houses if they cannot hold their Pebble Beach sales. Arm Sotheby's notably moved its Palm Beach auction online only within about a week's notice. If that proves successful, which it was, then more online-only platforms may be established. The economics of online-only work heavily in the auction house's favor, and if they can deliver results for their sellers, brick and mortar could permanently cede a chunk of market to market share to online only. Long term, given the context of a market that was already correcting pre-coronavirus, which is now compounded by global instability that will reverberate into the future, I believe we're going to enter another period in the car market as we did following the 2008 to 2009 crisis. Would-be buyers will preserve liquidity until they know which way circumstances affect them directly are going to cut. Values for million-dollar cars will be hard to establish with ready buyers difficult to identify. For the next several years, auctions will face challenges procuring heavy featured consignments, and more sales of quality product will shift towards the private treaty realm where parties on both sides of a transaction enjoy greater discretion and control. At the end of the day, collector cars are not a necessity, and the future of the hobby and the industry is really about fun and enjoyment with friends. So true. So those are the three from the Turtle Garage blog. Now I'm going to quote one more, and this was a Road Scholars article called Collector Car Life After COVID-19. Now this is by Stephen Serio, and I did edit quite a bit. He seems to be quite a humorous and funny guy, uh, so I did cut this back quite a bit. But it's, he still had some really great comments here. He referenced uh, a lot of the tragedies he's been through. Uh, he, Black Monday, 9-11, various wars, skirmishes worldwide, 2008 market crash. And then he says, in retrospect, over the long haul, none of these events knocked the collector world off of his axis for very long. By the way, the collector ho- car hobby is non-existent to 98% of the world, and we don't warrant serious sympathy from those folks with real problems. Amen to that. As a species, I believe we are mentally resilient and strive for happiness and positive experimental interactions after the dust has settled from any cataclysmic event. Life is not all about rainbows, unicorns, hostess snowballs, and Negronis. 
I had to look that up. That's like an Italian drink. <laughs> but this is what feeds our health every day, isn't it? My best example of explaining this is from the movie Ford versus Ferrari. Lee Iacocca in the film gives a passionate speech about why Americans would want sports cars after growing up in the 1950s and surviving World War II. Now substitute 1950s to the late 2020s. Boys wanted girls in fast cars, and that's it. Now he says, maybe in the aftermath of this pandemic era, we will define and separate the real car guys from the posers. In my view, that is a positive. Point being, the true car lovers, the backbone of this hobby, are always going to enjoy what they have. Most likely will still have a punch list of what they want. Next, are not going to sell their pride and joy for 50% of what it's worth because the events of this upcoming season have been canceled or postponed. The opposite may very well take effect here from the pent-up angst, boredom, and worry. Great cars many times change hands quietly between serious collectors, and rarely do these folks panic or liquidate collections that will make them happy when dooms doomsday passes. A handful of folks interested in seven-figure cars who I was engaged with prior to this lockdown have all hit the pause button, not the eject button. That's a good point. These buyers and sellers shall remain serious. Commerce is still happening on Bring a Trailer. Watch for yourselves. Auction companies who had to rejigger their events didn't have zero sell-through rate over the last few weeks either just because the event was online only. All of this is pretty positive in a time of confinement and lockdown, don't you think? Great cars will always have customers who want them. Cars that will open doors to life, lasting experiences will always be desirable. Cars that create happy diversions for you and your family will always have a place. And he continued, and yes, there's another side to this. In any downturn, compromised cars or C-level collectibles will probably get punished. The weak get weaker, and that's where an opportunity may, rise, may arise for a buyer. There may be opportunities to buy or lease new cars as well, with new car dealer inventories being backed up. Now, this is the tricky one. Historically, in market corrections and big turndowns, collector cars have been a safe haven when serious car people diversified their portfolios. This is a coin toss. No promise this happens again, but dot, dot, dot. Until there is a reason to panic, chill. Take a breath, go into your garage, be thankful, and wait. This too shall pass. All right, so that was a lot of good info there. And now a couple of my thoughts here. Now I'm paraphrasing uh, from some recent research I reviewed. So with the market in decline, people are selling their risky assets and piling money into safe, quote-unquote, safe assets, such as U.S. government bonds. And today, the U.S. 30-year government bond yield is the lowest it's ever been in history. Now, I've seen some data that shows that the car auction market and 30-year government bonds yields have had a strong inverse correlation. And one explanation for this is that as the equity markets go down and as bond yields next to nothing... There is an argument for owning tangible assets such as gold, diamonds, watches, cars, rare metals, and real estate. These are assets that did not become worthless pieces of paper and can hold values better or at least grow with inflation. Now, I believe some of this will happen. There will be a transition of assets into the collector car market, but this activity will mostly be seen in investment quality, i.e. high-end cars. I believe the rare over $5 million post-1955 cars will not be affected. So by this, I mean, think about the Ferrari GTOs, the Pontu Fender Testarossas, Ford GTs, big block AC Cobras, Aston Martin, and Jaguar street-based race cars like the DBR4 GT and the C and D types. Now, why did I say 1955? 
there's a generational shift occurring now, and the mid-1950s is when many iconic collectibles came into their own. It was the start of the horsepower race that led to the muscle car wars in the 1960s. Everyone would rather have a DB4 or DB5 versus a DB2 or DB3. The gull wings took flight, and anemic AC Aces became AC Cobras. I feel the Tier 2 cars, such as the small block AC Cobras, the Jaguar E-Types, will be affected as there will be fewer buyers for these low to mid six-figure cars. Even AC Cobras recently, the last three that have sold have been under $700,000, which is really interesting because those were pushing up upwards a little bit over a million dollars a year ago. Cheap muscle, specifically the 1960s pony cars, will be fine as they are mostly bought for their fun factor and they are very cheap to own and repair and fix and all that good stuff. Now, what Amelia Island showed us was that despite all of the macro concerns, the virus pandemic worries, travel bans, the desire for high-quality, fresh-to-market cars, buyers will show up and are willing to pay top dollar. Moreover, although losing money and value hurts, we all know not everybody is buying cars to make money. It is their love and passion, and for them, it may be a good time to buy. So with that, I think I will echo Stephen's comments and close this by saying, until there's a reason to panic, chill. Take a breath, go into your garage, be thankful and wait. This too shall pass. So I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.